So we're on the Ephesians chapter 3 this week. Michael, you preached the sermon on uh, the mystery of the church. And Paul tells us exactly what the mystery is in verse 6, that through the gospel, the Gentiles together with Israel are now members of one body and are together in the promise of Christ. So what in particular stood out to you as you prepared your message? I think the thing that stuck out to me the most, and we sort of already started to talk about this in, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, was just how separated we were as Gentiles. And, you know, most of us probably would come under that classification of being Gentiles, how much we were separated from God and how much it meant that through Christ that we became fellow heirs and partakers of that particular uh, blessing. That... Um, really Gentiles were second-class citizens in the Old Testament time, that they could not access God in the same way that the, the Jewish believers could. And yet as Christians, we have exactly the same rights and privileges. We have the same benefits. There's no difference in God's sight between us of Gentile origin and those people that were of Jewish origin. And, and that's just amazing. And I think probably most of us don't actually fully grasp the significance of that, but it's huge. And, and I think that's where, where Paul really struggled to convey that truth to people is because it was just so different and so um, such a change from what had been there in the past. Yeah, it's a real challenge for us to get our heads around like what that Jewish mindset would have been like as well to for a Jewish person to look at a Gentile as as co-heirs and equal in the church with us mm. that's such a challenge because we don't kind of look at uh, life today through that religious lens do we mm. well what, what was it that reuben mentioned a few weeks ago it was that the the jews would thank god that they were not what a woman a slave or a gentile or a gentile exactly. that's right yeah. yeah yeah a little bit of controversy there but... yeah, that's right that's <laughs> right yeah but i mean it, you think that also would apply to paul you know as a jewish man like the journey that he must have gone on because yeah. he, he had exactly those all of those same views all of that same hatred for gentiles paul himself would have had that and then you think what it must have been like for him on the damascus road and in the following years starting to figure out the fact that these gentiles who he despised were now equal participants equally welcome and that the doors of the kingdom of heaven were now open to them and that must have been a big shift in his own understanding i think and and then to be commissioned to go and preach the gospel to these gentiles this was his, his mission field that he was given um you can't underestimate you know in paul's writing ephesians what a mm. personal journey this was for him and coming to a point where he could say the sorts of things that he said said yeah well the apostle paul had a lot to overcome there didn't he because he was so passionately persecuting the church mm. because he was Jewish mm. and mm. because he believed so much in his Jewish upbringing, his Jewish leadership. Mm. And now he's not only not persecuting church, but he's been changed in his heart by, by Christ mm. to follow the church, be part of the church. And then now another leap to, now he's got to reach out to these Gentiles. No, exactly. Well, so. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's why yeah. I love looking you know, behind the text at the man who wrote this book. And just thinking of, you know, yeah, everything he writes here, these were things that he hated. You know, he hated Jesus. He hated people who followed Jesus. He certainly hated those filthy Gentiles. And and now to come to the point where he can, you know, talk about them as part of God's family, mm. part of God's household. And clearly Paul loves the church and he loves Christ. Uh, it's it's remarkable. And we can easily assume, well, of course, you know, he wrote scripture and this is God's word. But it's, it's helpful, I think, to think mm. of what a complete turnaround it was for Paul. 
and um, you just think God, you know, God still changes lives just mm -hmm. as he changed Paul's life. And to me, that's one of the things I love about being being at church and looking around and seeing the people in our church, you know, regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of ethnicity, we are all part of the same body. We are all partakers together of what uh, Christ has done for us through the gospel. Mm. And, you know, it's just incredible to look around. You know, we've got people from all sorts of different uh, ethnicities uh, within our church family all different age groups and yet together we're all one in Christ. Mm. Yep. So I wanted to pick up on uh, this verse 10 because I, I just love this phrase, but I wonder if you guys can speak more to it, where Paul writes, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Can you speak more to this idea of manifold wisdom of God and, and how that's made known to the world? Either one of you. Well, I, and I guess as I was thinking about this, just the fact that this whole idea of this mystery that throughout the Old Testament, you know, going right back to Genesis, it slowly unveils what it means to be a worshipper of God and to understand God. And, and it doesn't, it's not fully revealed in the Old Testament, but through Christ it's fully revealed. And just this whole idea, the fact that the church is something unique the church is something that is now fully revealed that wasn't before the time of Christ. And it's something that we are able to experience and, and enjoy together, that God's wisdom of salvation is now seen through the church. Mm. And, and I guess the other thing that I, I don't think I really understand, but how we as the church also show to rulers and authorities yeah, yeah. something about God as well. And, and that was something that I was really struck with, that in our own way as the followers of God that actually people learn from what we're doing, that mm. the uh, rulers and authorities can learn about God and can learn about what it means to be a follower of God because of us as the church. Mm. It's, uh, it's incredible, that thought. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a puzzling verse, that one. And uh, it's it's it, but it's fascinating because you just have that sense that Paul's describing the, the church, but not as we see the church. Like we see we see people. You know, meeting together and we're the church and we worship and we do these do all this ministry. More going but on, it's just it's, it? yeah. it's like it's like he pulls back the curtain yeah. and he says here's here's what here's what's really happening. You know, this view of the heavenly realms mm. and the church and these these rulers and authorities in in the heavenly realms. And I guess you know he's talking about about spiritual forces and powers yeah. and beings there. Whether whether he's talking about angels or demons, I'm not I'm not sure. But I guess you think the way that you know even these beings in the heavenly realms they've they've been witnessing God's plan unfolding through history as well. And then they they get to the point of seeing the church come about on earth and what it must be for these angelic beings or even even the demons of hell. You know to see the church and the church is this witness mm -hmm. of God fulfilling His purposes. That God's faithful to do what He said He would always do, and extend His salvation to the ends of the earth, and and provide a, a family of, of all nations for Abraham, and all of these things. So, I think that that's kind of the witness that we have. That when we go about doing these these seemingly insignificant things on earth as a church, that the the reverberations of that in the heavenly realms, as these spiritual beings look on and recognize the wisdom of God and mm. see His plan coming to mm. fulfillment and see his kingdom, and seeing God fulfilling his promise. Um, there's a lot more going on than we often recognize when it comes to the church. And even though I enjoy gathering together as God's people, and, and it's good to be able to do that, 
it's not just for my benefit that we actually gather together. There's mm. there's other things yeah, that are going yeah. on within that as well. That uh, you know, that these are these rulers and authorities actually benefit from mm. watching our church family mm. join together and worship God together. Mm. And the Apostle Paul brings us into this idea of the spiritual battle throughout his writings and the epistles and and letters that he wrote. And yeah, that the church participates in some way in this spiritual in the spiritual realm around mm. us that's far beyond mm. what we can see here. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I guess it's just a good reminder for us at a practical level that as we as we gather together or as we just live live our Christian lives, there's always more going on than we think. You know, there's there's a spiritual realm out mm. there and it's very real. Yeah. And the angels of heaven are real and the and the and the demonic forces are also very real. And I mean Paul's gonna to come to all this in chapter six, you know, when he talks about the spiritual armor and the spiritual but it's like that's gonna be another view of, of it all. But I think that's good for it. You know, we can we can be doing things that are seemingly mundane, but we really have no idea of this of this cosmic battle that is going on. That Christ has already won for us, so it's not an undecided battle. He is he is the victorious one. But there are there are these real powers and forces out there, and um, how what what we what we do and uh, how how we live and who we confess as Lord in the present, it really does. Uh, it, it goes in eternity. It really does make a difference, and it's significant in the heavenly realms. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. So, Reuben, you preached on the last section of chapter 3 there um, with the prayer to the Ephesians. I guess my question revolves around that power again because the idea mm. of power comes up. Yeah, yeah. Do you think this, this power comes to us more or is made more known to us as we spend time in prayer to God? Yeah, absolutely. I think so, yeah. I mean, that was very... It was, it was a very personal passage for me because, as I mentioned, it, it's a passage that I've really clung to uh, in my own spiritual journey and my own faith journey, and so it was it was great to be able to preach it. But it was, it was as much as anything, it was my prayer for myself and for others that they would experience more of that power. And it's interesting, even when Paul talks about knowing God's love, he still describes it in terms of power. He, he says, "I pray that you would have power to grasp the love of God." So we 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 rely completely on this on this power but i think it's it's that power that does come to us we talked about this last time in our own weakness much of the time you know in our own brokenness so that it's it's not any kind of power that we generate ourselves it's not a power that we can conjure up or just try and tap into it's a power that only comes through through christ and uh, i think of you know when paul talks about his god's power being perfected in our weakness that it's often when we're at our weakest points. And we may not feel powerful at all, but Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That somehow the power of Christ rests on us, sometimes in the moments of our incredible weakness. But I think, yeah, to answer your question, it, mm. it absolutely comes about through through prayer and through our intake of Scripture. Those I think those are, those are practices that open us up to God's power being made known in our life. It's, yeah. it's not yeah. just the kind of thing where... It's a tap that I turn on when I need it, when I'm in a jam. You know, I think it, it does come about as we, the, the the closer that we walk with the Lord and the more that we commit ourselves to those practices that are going to bring our heart closer to his heart, I think the more that we position ourselves to draw on the power that God makes available to us. Yeah, absolutely. I often share with people that uh, the Bible speaks of, in Acts 17, Paul's speaking to the Athenians and he says to them, that God's not far from any one of mm. us. But then when you look at James 4, 
he says, when we draw near to God, mm. he draws near to us. Mm. So it's as mm. if God's not gone anywhere. He's right yeah. there, but he's waiting for us to come near to him. Mm. But when we do, he responds. Mm. And I think that has a lot to do with this prayer that, that Paul's saying in Ephesians. Because the other aspect in verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Mm. To me, I think we're in danger sometimes of neglecting and forgetting to trust in God because mm. we put so much on our own shoulders and mm. we try to live this life on our own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's temptation for all of us. It's it's a temptation for those of us that are in church work, as you know, as much as anyone else. That we, we can try and do things in our own in our own strength and in our own power. And you know, of course, Christ wants us to use the 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 gifts, the time that He's given us. And to, to serve him. But I th- there's just that need, isn't there, to constantly come back mm-hmm. to that reality that we are totally dependent on on his power. That that any any growth that I ever experience in my Christian life is because of the power of God at work mm-hmm. in me. Do I need to put effort in? Yes. Uh, but, you know, Paul says somewhere, doesn't he, that, that I, I work with all the strength that Christ works in me or something like that. I work with all the power that yeah, Christ right. works works in me, you know. And that, and that to me is it, you know, that yes, we are we are called to to act and to respond and to uh, put to death the things of the old self. But the the only way that we can do that is in and through the power of Christ. And so it just it requires that deepening relationship with God, continually drawing near to him and accessing that power that he makes available to us. One thing I love in this passage here is Paul's use of the superlatives. Like we've talked about that one there in uh, verse 20 where he says that we could do far more abundantly than we could ask or think. But back in verse 19 it says that he wants us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's like Paul, you've just said mm. we can't understand it but you want us to know about mm. it. And and I, I love, love the way that he talks in, in that sort of word like, he really desperately wants us to be able to like understand what the love of Christ is all about. But then on the other hand, he says, but actually it's too big for you to really be able to mm. get a grasp on, but mm. give it a go anyway. Yeah. And um, time and time again, Paul sort of uses that language. He says, I know you're not going to be able to do it, but I want you to try doing it anyway sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's the same as he says in verse 19 that you... The goal is that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You exactly. know, it's this, yeah. this yeah. hugely yeah. overwhelming yeah. goal that, that yeah. we could ever be yeah. filled. But uh, it, it, it's good, you know. He he puts that in front of us and just and just casts this this vision of what Christ is doing in our lives. And you know, he says in is it Philippians that God begins this work in us, but He carries it yeah. on to completion until yeah. the day of Christ yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so yeah. we're never going to fully reach yeah. that goal. Yeah. But it's it's a reminder that this is where it's all heading, yeah. and that ultimately one day Christ will return and we will be filled with all the fullness of God. But until that day, we we continue to we continue to press on. But it does make you think about how much of the power of God and the work of God we actually really tap into mm. that we just really yeah. i wonder whether we're yeah. just sort of like you know paddling around in the shallows in terms of all the depth of god that's mm. really out there mm. and that yes we do experience it in our lives and we do start to get a, a small glimpse of it but i just think about it's like a vast ocean that's out there we're in the shallows paddling around and there's so much more out there that we could experience and, and some of us may move and experience more and more of it but we're only really just scratching the surface in terms mm. of what God has available to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the key ways of accessing more of that power and, and experiencing more of that power is simply through what Paul does here, which is prayer. prayer. Yeah. And and you come back to the fact that 
this whole passage is written as a prayer. And I still think that's significant. You can almost lose sight of it as you go through the verses. But you step back and go, well, this is something he's praying. He's not just he's not just telling them. And that's important, I think, that it's as we talk to God and we, we learn just to have ongoing communication and connection with him, that as part of our daily life, we're continually bringing our lives, bringing our situations, our circumstances to God, asking for his power, seeking his power, seeking his will. That's, that, that is the basic rhythm of the Christian life that ultimately is going to draw us closer and closer to God. And I think through that we find that his power does work in our lives, maybe not always in ways that we see. You know, maybe, maybe it is just in the quiet workings of God's power. Don't, I don't think we always want to expect it's going to be dramatic. Right. But God's power works in all sorts of different areas. But I think it does require that commitment to prayer, as Paul had, and that commitment to Scripture, as Paul had as well. Um, those would be two things, I think, that are really foundational to this. We, we can't expect to have all of this great filling of the power of God and the fullness of God if we're not willing to kind of put up the sails in our life, so, so to speak, mm. so that we can catch the wind, you know. And that is, I think, mm. yeah. uh, a lot about our commitment to Scripture and our commitment to prayer. Very good, guys. I, I wonder if, uh, since the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians, I wonder, Reuben, if you'd pray for the person that's going to listen to this. Mm, yeah, let's pray. Yes, Father, we do pray for one another and for everyone listening to this that they would experience exactly what you led the Apostle Paul to pray in this in this great letter, Lord God. We pray that out of your glorious riches that you would strengthen us with your power by your Spirit in our innermost being so that for the purpose that Christ may dwell in our hearts more and more through faith. And we pray that as we are rooted and established in your love, that we would all have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, your great love for us, and that we would know every day a little more of this love that is ultimately beyond our knowing, so that we might be increasingly filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And we ask this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.